how's it going tonight, everybody? We are Run The Real, featuring Mike, Terry, Fox, and Dan. And we are back with another hopefully great review here. <laughs> you mean hopefully? Are you saying we don't always have a great review? Man, I was just listening to some of our past reviews, and I said hopefully, and you guys always berate me, so <laughs> I like saying it. like, what do you mean, hopefully? I'm just hoping <laughs> that it's a good review. Uh-huh. Wait, so all the other times you're not hoping? Uh, only when I remember, you know? <laughs> but Suspicious. We're, we're continuing on with our Stephen King adaptions. Our first one was Christine. Terry picked that one. The quote-unquote classic Sean Carpenter film? <laughs> mm, you'll have to listen to our <laughs> review to find out. But, uh, Fox, you picked this one, didn't you? Yeah. Why don't you introduce it to us? All right, so this week we've got Silver Bullet, loosely based on Stephen King's Cycle of the Werewolf. Have you read that one? I have not. I think it's a short story in one of his collections. I haven't read it either. I've never even heard of it. Me neither. Some of this information about it. It was released in 1985, and this actually came out in theaters. So I I want to talk about that. Oh. But um, it's directed <laughs> by uh, Daniel Atias. Atias. I don't know how to say his last name. Um, he hasn't really done much besides this one um, for in the directing sense. He did some TV episodes. I was just kind of looking at it. Yeah, he did Alias and Homeland, which are pretty famous. The Wire. He's got a lot of good TV shows. Yeah, I, I was meaning like movies, feature films. This was like his feature film here, and um, he's done some TV work besides that. But uh, it was based off the book by Stephen King, and the screenplay was actually by Stephen King as well. Huh. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, this has a 47% tomato meter, 55% audience score, and on IMDb, it has a 6.4 out of 10 and a 26 meta score. So, took a kind of a oof. steep drop there. Oof. Yeah. Is uh, real low compared to everything else, which is kind of around that, that mid range. I guess just a quick synopsis, I'll breeze over what it says on IMDb here. Uh, a werewolf terrorizes a small city uh, where lives the paralytic Marty Kozlaw. I wanted to say Kozlaw, but... Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> what I always thought, too. <laughs> his uncle and his sister, um, the story's narrator, which is, yeah... I have to say, you know, I kind of forgot this movie. We watched it on Monday, <laughs> and I had literally forgotten most of it. But we're recording this on Wednesday, so two days. I mean, not to play my hand early here, but I guess, what, what do you guys think about this one? I mean, how do we feel about werewolves as like a monster? Do we think it's cool, or do you think it's kind of lame? I think it's cool. You can do a lot with it, but most people don't. I enjoy a good werewolf. I think they can be cool. I don't know. It seems like it's really easy to mess it up, though, because you need so much like good makeup and practical effects or CGI, I guess, because if you don't have a good suit or something, then it's going to it might hurt it a bit. But I don't mind werewolves. I like werewolves as a creature. They're really cool. In the movie space, I haven't seen very many like great werewolf movies. I mean, I guess the Underworlds movies, would you call the Lycans werewolves in that one? Are they the same thing or what? Yeah, yeah, those are werewolves. I wouldn't say they're great werewolf movies, though. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, they're not great. How dare you? I love those movies. The first one's good. The second one and then the rest aren't that great, though. Honestly, I think the best werewolf thing I've ever seen is an episode of X-Files. Where they deal 
with the werewolf. I believe it's in the first season. And it's actually like one of my favorite X-Files episodes. But uh, in the movie space for a creepy werewolf movie, I can't really think of anything that stands out. I know like what we do in the shadows had werewolves in it, but they were like goofy werewolves. I'm having a hard time, yeah, thinking of any good werewolf movies that I've seen recently or at all. I know there's one that's like The Witch. But with a werewolf, but, you know, not nearly as good as The Witch, obviously. What was that one that was, it was a remake. Was it called The Wolfman back in like 2007? Or <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I felt like that was okay. And I'm sure the yeah. classic, you know, is a classic. I've never <laughs> seen it, but. The remake's not that good. Oh, uh, really? Ooh, maybe yeah. I remember it wrong. I saw that on my birthday in 2008. I don't know why I wanted to see that so bad. That's <laughs> no, cool. It's werewolves. I want to say the beast among us was like the one with the pilgrims or like the yeah like the colonial people. Ooh, that sounds cool. Mm, well, don't get your hopes up. Oh, what about an American werewolf in London? Ooh, okay, that's oh, a good that's movie. a classic. That's a yeah. really good movie. Might be the best werewolf movie. I'd say it probably is. <laughs> I just think there hasn't been a lot of very good werewolf movies. Not a strong showing for werewolves, it seems. I've seen Teen Wolf, Oof. not very good. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that, too. What, when he plays basketball, does that just not <laughs> do it for you? <laughs> I mean, it was kind of funny, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, how about this one? What do you guys think about this movie? Silver Bullet. You know, this movie always makes me think of like, you know, you're watching a show like Stranger Things, right? And like all the kids are like at a sleepover watching a scary movie and like the really bad costume villain comes on like the screen and all the kids are like, ah, but it's, you know, little kids in a movie. So they have some junky 80s stock film. <laughs> and I think that's what this movie looks like to me, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It does seem kind of like your generic 80s horror movie, kind of. I don't know. Like, I feel like we catch a lot of the classics that have endured over the decades, but this seems like what the bulk of the horror films probably were. Probably, yeah. It's not even really a werewolf movie, per se. That's a very small part of it. Yeah, I wish it was a bigger part, honestly. Me too, yeah. It feels very, like, jumbled. I don't know. Very disjointed. The focus is not on anyone in particular, it feels like to me. It feels like a mess, I guess. Yeah, it's it's weird because the sisters, the narrator... And so you think when it starts out, the movie's about her, but then the little crippled boy is like the real main character and the sister's just the side character, but then they bring her in like a main character later. She disappears for like half the movie. Yeah. The narration is awful. It's bad. They don't even need it. It's like it just shows up at random times and you're like, what the heck is this even doing in here? You know, Stephen King's a novelist. It feels like a novelist wrote a script and didn't realize you don't need voiceover and internal thoughts for every scene. Yeah, exactly. It's like he was still getting a hang of the visual media. That's that's like 100% what it is. It'd be different if we saw the sister like if this was like a flashback or something or maybe at the end we see her as an adult talking about it to somebody. I don't know, but yeah, it doesn't pay off at all this voiceover. There's a scene pretty early on where I I forget which character is. It's like hiding some trees and they're at this festival. And, um, like this couple comes walking and they have this conversation 
where she's like, this baby is yours. <laughs> the guy's like, you may have a bun in the oven, but that doesn't mean it's my bun or something. Yeah, he said, it's your oven, but it isn't my bun. That's what I think that's what he said. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's just like something that you would see in a book that doesn't translate <laughs> to film very well, you know? So I completely agree with what you said there, Terry, where it's like Stephen King wrote the screenplay to this, wrote it exactly how he writes books, and... They just took it at face value. Dialogue is very Stephen Kingy. I think it helps whatever actors have like a northeastern kind of accent, you know. And none of these people had like an accent. Wait, what? Why does that help? I'm a, I'm a little lost <laughs> with this point as well, Fox. <laughs> so like all of his pe- all of his books take place in Maine, and people up there have like an accent and a slang. But in a lot of these old adaptations, none of the characters have an accent and seem to understand the slang. It's like they're confused by the slang themselves, <laughs> and I think that might contribute a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I think there's bigger problems with this movie than that. <laughs> I think. It's a common problem in King adaptations, I guess, is my point. <laughs> oh, okay. I haven't seen a bunch. Well, maybe I have seen a decent amount of Stephen King movies, but I haven't seen like the bad ones. Like Fox has this box that's just got all these Stephen King adaptions. And I mean, they all look like crap to me. Like I knew there was a lot of Stephen King adaption stuff like in the 80s and 90s. But I didn't know that it like went to this low, you know. <laughs> like I didn't know the low end of the adaptions that got made for Stephen King's works. They were making anything and everything by him. Mm-hmm. They just—he was such a hot commodity, kind of like he is now. Almost, he's kind of having a a rebirth of interest in his books. So I think this one like really brings into light, you know, how low these adaptions actually go. Like, they were just making, like you said, Terry, everything he did into a movie for probably, you know. It was like the Paranormal Activity back in the 80s. Oh, this is much better than Paranormal Activity, (laughs) though. (laughs) Well, and I would say this probably isn't the worst Stephen King adaptation. If I was to guess, I would say this is definitely, I don't know if middle of the road is the best word for it, but maybe slightly below middle of the road. I just... You know, this like opened my eyes to what was actually going on with Stephen King stuff. Because, you know, I've heard of the stuff that's, you know, super popular, like the old It. People who've actually seen that one, you know, say that there's no reason to watch it except to watch Tim Curry as the clown. So it's probably not a good example, but I guess it freaked out (laughs) a lot of people. He's creepy. I mean... Have you seen it, Fox? Yeah, it's a TV movie, though. So, like... You know, (laughs) it can only be as good as a TV movie can. But like, I guess Stephen King's got some, his works are made into bigger productions and stuff. Like we talked about last week, you know, like the Green Mile, or is it Shawshank Redemption? The new It. The Running Man. I don't know if you'd say that's pinnacle. I do love it. Oh, oh. I know, but like you compare that to the Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption. Oof. I, I think there's some really good ones, but most of them are either just average or below average. I think the sheer number of them, yeah, definitely leads towards below average. <laughs> there's just so many. Yeah. So, how did we feel about the werewolf itself in this movie? Do we think it was the portrayed like it was cool, scary, lame? <clears throat> I'm going to have to go with kind of lame. So, they do something with the werewolf that personally creeps me out. I don't know if it creeps out other people as much 
but I hate it in horror movies where they just like zoom in real close on the eyes and the eyes like take up the whole screen. So they do that a lot with this movie and it really creeps me out and I don't like it at all. So I think it had more of a creepy effect on me than it did the rest of you. I wasn't scared of the werewolf at all, but it, I don't know, it got a little bit of points for me personally because it did that. I think it had some cool kills. Like the first kill it does was pretty good, I think, with the decapitation. This goes downhill from there, though. The fog kill was okay when he pulls out the bat. That was kind of funny. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was pretty sweet. That one cracks me up. That was funny the first time that he, he did it. <laughs> yeah, I kind of liked that. Oh, I forgot that he does it twice. He loves that thing. Yeah, he keeps the bat around. Why get your hands dirty if you can use a bat? <laughs> he, he took a liking to it. He like saves it and puts it in his shed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was broken. This won't be suspicious at all. I thought it was okay. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't like the best werewolf I've ever seen, but it wasn't scary, really. I kind of like the classic look of the actual werewolf costume myself. The werewolf costume is good when it actually shows up, but like it's just barely there in the movie. I was reading the trivia with uh, Terry earlier, and I guess when they started filming, they didn't even have the complete werewolf costume. Oh, wow. That probably... Explains why they did a lot of the eye close-ups and stuff then. Yeah, there's a lot of close-ups on when it actually shows up, and they don't show like the whole thing very much at all, unless he's like clubbing somebody with a bat, and then it's only his back. <laughs> well, I kind of thought that was the whole little Jaws technique. You know, They knew the suit wasn't probably scary if you see a whole bunch of it, so they were just kind of like giving you glimpses. But they kind of reveal him in his full form right away. So if that's what they were going for, then it didn't, that was not how it works, really. Maybe they wanted to make it seem like they weren't afraid to show it. So they showed us, but they really were afraid to show us. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we ain't scared. It's a great suit. <laughs> and then suddenly I'm not scared. It's an air of mystery, uh, building suspense. I think it would have been cool if it was a mystery of what was killing these people. Was it actually a werewolf or was it a maniac? But once again, just like Christine, I guess, there's really no ambiguity to this at all. It's just kind of, <laughs> yep, there's a werewolf for sure. Yep, it's a killer car. Well, I think Christine pulled it off a lot better than this. You brought up the the Jaws comparison, Terry, and I think that's a very apt comparison because... Yeah, they film it to be like Jaws in a lot of ways where they try not to show the beast. Well, they they, they blow their load at the start, <laughs> but after that, they try not to show the beast. And then you can tell that whoever did the music for this is totally ripping off Jaws, but just real crappy version of it. <laughs> I kind of like the music. Really? Yeah. It was a, definitely a like a blatant ripoff of Jaws. But I thought it was pretty ominous. Like, I heard him do the two notes at the start, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and then, <laughs> nope, nope, they were doing it. Just real crappy version of it. And I was like, wow. <laughs> you couldn't even come up with something original? Yeah. I think it, there's some decent stuff in there. But, like, when, he's, when the kid is riding his motorcycle, 
I thought there was like a kind of an interesting track for that. Yeah, that that song was okay. That was okay, but the werewolf stuff, no, I didn't like it. I like some of it, but yeah, it definitely is a ripoff, which I guess I like Jaws, so I, I guess it's only natural I would like this kind of. <laughs> that song when he's <laughs> going down the highway is such an 80s, like the wide world of sports, <laughs> like stock song. I can just hear the narrator over him like, the thrill of victory. Victory and the crushing despair of defeat. <laughs> the wide world of sports. <laughs> He's a real animal out there. He's <laughs> <laughs> tearing up the competition. So there's an actor in this movie that I did recognize. What was that guy's name? The uncle. Gary Busey. Uh, I do not like Gary Busey, I think. I don't know. <laughs> this movie, I did not enjoy his presence that much. He's like an icon. Is he? Yeah, he was in Point Break and Lethal Weapon. Really? Yeah. He's got that look, man. He does look like a crazy person. I don't know. He just, he doesn't seem like a very good actor to me, at least not in this movie. I think he's trying, but it's not really working for me. He's got the look, you know, he's got that real goofy, like, grin that he always does. And, like, that's why he's, like, the icon, you know? He's just Gary... Busey, you know, <laughs> that's who he is. Yeah, of course. He's just, yep. <laughs> Maybe he's just one of those actors I have a weird distaste for, for some reason. Every once in a while, someone pops up and I'm just like, hmm, don't know about this guy. He's going to have to prove himself every single time. <laughs> Matt Damon? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. What's wrong with Matt Damon? Oh, Terry hates him. I don't necessarily hate him. He proves me wrong most of the time. Let me just preface, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm a fan of Matt Damon. I, I usually assume I'm not going to like a movie if I see him in it. I don't really have a rational explanation for why this is, because every time I do see the movie, I'm always like, oh, he was actually pretty good in this. So I don't know why Matt Damon has something to prove for me, but he does. And I, I don't know. Every once in a while, I get these natural or maybe unnatural distaste for somebody. Him and uh, Bill Murray. I don't really like Bill Murray either. Oh, <laughs> Oh, man. That's even worse. <laughs> the hits just keep coming. Blasphemy. So I guess we can add Gary Busey to the list. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> but the difference is Gary Busey did not earn his keep as Matt Damon and sometimes Bill Murray do. Sometimes Bill Murray. Oh, <laughs> got to get sidetracked here. You know, you're right. He's not an incredible actor in this film, <laughs> but... Did everybody else like Gary Busey in here? I didn't have a problem with him. He just seems like he could be somebody's uncle, I guess. He's definitely not the worst part of this movie. That's fair. That is fair. There's a lot of other things that go against this movie instead of Gary Busey, I think. I just think, you know, we were talking about Troll 2 a couple weeks ago. The movie tries to do a lot of things and it fails at everything. I think this one tries not like a lot of things. It's not very standoutish in some areas, but it doesn't do anything well at all, I don't think. Just nothing is done well in this movie. Like the characters, I don't care about the characters. Stories, lame. Dialogue's lame. The werewolf could have been cooler. I think I'd laughed more at the dialogue in this movie than anything else because it just doesn't feel right. Like, none of it feels right. <laughs> you know, it's just off. So there's something <laughs> off about all the dialogue in this movie. I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't say I feel like it falls below the line, but I would say that it seems to uh, do a few things and not do them particularly well, just kind of does them okay. 
Everything is just okay. Yeah, if they would have just focused it a little bit, maybe it would have streamlined some stuff and made it better. I don't know. Maybe focus on one character, maybe just like the kids or something, and we don't need all these other random side plots. Yeah. It just feels like a straight TV movie to me, which it astounds me that this had a theatrical release because it feels like a TV movie, like through and through. And I will say, you know, a TV, you did point out, there are a few cool moments, some impressive cinematography, like in the uh, the mob scene. That's like a five minute take. It's super long. I didn't realize there was no cuts until you were like, this is a long take. And I was like, oh my God, it's still the same take. Yeah, I think there's a couple moments like that in the movie where, yeah, they just kind of keep it rolling and... There's a lot of yeah movement, which is kind of cool. So there are a few times whenever it does something, I guess, in a technical way, well, that's impressive. But the things going on within the frame or the business, if you will, is not impressive. It's just a lot. I don't know. There's too many threads. Not enough needles. Is that a, is that a phrase? It can be. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an okay <laughs> phrase. Oh, I could belong in this movie, honestly. Oh. Mediocre. I'll write my own screenplay. I'll show you all. <laughs> yeah, I was talking with Terry about this before we started doing the review, and I was just like, I don't really think I'm going to have much to say on this one. Like, there's just not much here to go on. I think for me, it just represents like what I imagine the standard late night movie in the 80s would have been, which is kind of an intriguing glimpse into an era bygone, you know? I guess it could be interesting to maybe look, because there is pretty... Decent amount of really good 80s movies, 70s movies, and 60s movies. Right. And I guess that's my point, yeah, is that we see all the good ones, but we don't see the bulk. Oh, okay. I get you now. You don't see the mediocre, run-of-the-mill, like, substandard, you know? Like, in 30 years, is somebody going to remember or ever watch the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead remake, you know? <laughs> Hopefully not. Or will that just be the stock early 2000s era film that nobody remembers? I'll go back. I'll make it. I'll make sure everyone remembers. <laughs> It'll be studied as a curiosity and not in a good way. <laughs> Yeah. It was being a tank. It's like, <laughs> and here we have the Dawn of the Dead remake. It just won't die. Hmm. Don't touch it. We don't know what it'll give you. I will say I did call who the werewolf was right away. I don't know if it was that obvious, but it seemed like the most like stereotypical choice to pick for the werewolf. And I was like, it has to be this guy. And lo and behold, it was that guy. Yes. Well, it's, it's interesting because... Stephen King, like, hates Christianity, all right? And so I was watching this, and I was like, this something feels out of place. He's not, like, bashing <laughs> on uh, Christianity any. And then it gets going, and they reveal who the werewolf was, and I was like, oh, there it is. <laughs> I didn't see it coming, but, I mean, it makes sense because it's Stephen King. <laughs> I think they should have developed it more because all of a sudden he's just an evil creep. Yeah. And I feel like they should have made him creepier at the beginning. I mean, maybe it would have made it too obvious, but... It is a very sudden change. That's true. Yeah, all of a sudden he's going out in non-werewolf form trying to murder a kid. Like, that's a sudden turn. Maybe he was always evil. He probably should have showed me that, though, I guess. It really felt like a plot convenience, I guess. Definitely. Because he's not even in the movie much until they need him because he's the werewolf. I did like his transformation. I think it, he was turning back from werewolf into 
human. I thought that was actually a pretty good effect job and editing. It looked pretty good. Yeah, the few times there were makeup, they were pretty good. The hair going back into the skin, I thought was pretty good. Pretty well done. Special effect. I guess to me, this movie really felt like a, a PG movie or even a PG-13 it's got an R rating with horror as the genre, but I mean, it didn't feel like that to me. It felt like someone's trying to make a motivational kids movie about this disabled kid who's got a lot of good family members and people looking out for him, as opposed to a werewolf horror film. It's almost kind of like a family drama, and the werewolf is just... You know, the the kind of backstory event that brings them all together in the end. Yeah, that's what brings him and his sister together. Like it could have been the death of their uncle or something, you know, like a regular family drama, but it was just a werewolf in this case. That makes it a a really odd choice, I feel. Because if they're trying to go for the more, I guess, light tone, maybe not the right word. I feel like they might have had a wider audience come and watch the film. As opposed to an R-rated horror genre movie? Yeah, it seems like they try to have it both ways, and it does not work. Like, either make the kids the main focus and, you know, embrace it, or do something different, embrace the horror and the blood and the the mauling. But really, (laughs) it's just kind of, we get a decapitated head, and then it's a bunch of the kid messing around with his uncle and the town going nuts. I mean, it's even called Silver Bullet, which is the name of his wheelchair motorcycle. So it just so happens it's the uh, only thing that could kill a werewolf, too. <laughs> like I feel like there's the setup of a good movie in here. It's just frustrating that they don't capitalize on it. It's not that. I don't know. I think it's interesting. You guys brought up this family aspect of it, like it family that's got some problems and the werewolf brings them together. I think that was kind of a thing you know in the 80s because um i want to bring up movie came out in 1982 poltergeist that's i mean you could say it's a family movie arguably you know that's the situation of the the daughter uh carol ann you know getting sucked into this paranormal realm brings the family together to rescue her out of that i think a lot of the 80s movies you know even some of the 70s horror movies did that I think it's interesting to look at later horror movies, you know, like Hereditary, which is about a family that falls apart, or, you know, The Shining, which the family dynamic breaks, and um, which is another Stephen King one. But uh, I think this was kind of a thing, maybe, in the 80s. They have the family that comes together to fight this uh, paranormal or supernatural entity i'm sure if we dug deep enough we could find some sort of what the werewolf symbolizes and what they're actually overcoming but i don't well maybe not (laughs) i I can't think of what the werewolf could be meaning this movie's not good enough to like get that subtext connected to it it's just not a good enough movie to do that where you look at the shining that movie has so many subtexts to it hereditary that has so many subtexts to it I, i may even say poltergeist you know has some subtext to it I mean, if I watched it again, I feel like I might be able to figure it out, but that would require me to watch it again. Why would you want to do that? Yeah, there's the, <laughs> literally, I mean, I'm probably going to f- forget this movie. And I mean, it's been two days since I saw it and I had, I had literally almost <laughs> forgot it by then. Like, I think the timeline in this movie is kind of weird. I don't know. It's very confusing because time passes. I know like, but it's not clear because werewolves come out the full moon. 
it seems like every night. I don't know. Something about the editing is making it feel like <laughs> months and months and months are going by, and it's all in the blink of an eye. Oh, well, they, they changed the werewolf rules a little bit, but they do show a lot of full moon moon shots, even though the moon may not be full. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's the full moon every single time he shows up. Because I know they say the the wolf, is he becomes more beast-like as the, the moon arises, but... I think they show a full moon almost every time, so... Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. They they make yet another plot convenience, because Stephen King's writing is not up the snuff in this film by saying, oh, the werewolf comes out every night. If they would have just said that, I would have been okay with it, yeah. Yeah, they say it, but they don't keep with it because they only show a full moon they never show the other moons so like this movie takes place over like months it's crazy it feels i think it feels disjointed because of it i mean if judging by how the full moon works what it only ha- i mean i'm not an astrologist i don't know how the moon works <laughs> i'm no scientist but i'm pretty sure they only show up like once a month or so right <laughs> yeah i mean we've seen like what four or five wolf kills in this movie so that would be about five months, assuming they showed the full moon each time. I guess kind of talking about, yeah, how it feels disjointed and kind of weird. Did anybody catch that the guy who directed Phantasm did a lot of the non-werewolf scenes and then quit? This Atias guy did, like, the scenes with the werewolf after? I can't help but wonder if maybe that is a chunk of why this feels so <laughs> jumbled and disjointed. Heck, would explain it. Is that we have Chainsaw Fight Don Coscarelli doing the non-werewolf scenes. Yeah, that's not Don Coscarelli's strong suit, I don't think. <laughs> like, I feel like he's the guy you'd want to do the werewolf scenes, not the dialogue scenes, you know? Well, yeah, he was supposed to direct it, but I think him and a producer or something weren't getting along... And he got frustrated because the suit hadn't been made yet. And he was like, all right, well, this is dumb. I'm just going to leave then. Yep. (laughs) Wise decision. I am curious how it would have come out if he would have stayed on for the whole thing. Well, I mean, Phantasm isn't even really the best movie either. (laughs) It's an interesting movie. (laughs) Like, Yeah, it's interesting, I guess. You know, I mean, better than this. Yeah. So we talked about Leprechaun. Once this episode comes out, it's going to be like three weeks ago or something you know i feel like leprechaun had more spirit put into the movie and emotion than all of this you know this movie's crap there's no emotion there's no spirit in it but leprechaun not a great movie but the leprechaun character has a lot of spirit and emotion to it it's true (laughs) it's true it does seem like people in the leprechaun are at least excited to be there and having fun and if the plot's more focused you understand what what's going on (laughs) Well, let's not go crazy now. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, even still, that movie has more emotion, you know, put into it. Even I'd say Troll 2 has more emotion put into it than uh, this. Okay, let's not go crazy again. Let's, uh, I, I don't, don't know, know about that. That seems a bit of a stretch. I did not enjoy watching Troll 2, but, I mean, you could at least tell that the actors were trying in that movie. Where in this one, it's just cash grab, you know. I'm sure they did like one take of a scene. They're like, ah, that's good enough. You know, let's just keep going. I think the crippled kid 
was trying. Yeah, he seemed okay. Apparently, Gary Boosie felt like spiritually connected to the character of Uncle Red. What? Because <laughs> he sat around and drank booze all day? Possibly. <laughs> he does seem like he may not be acting. That may just be him. There wasn't any, like, bad acting, per se, in this. I didn't really like the sister that much, or the voiceover. Yeah, the sister's the the worst part, and then, like, the dad of... The kid who gets ripped apart. Um, his acting was questionable at best. Yeah. His like wail at his son's death was awkward and kind of amusing. And I always feel so bad when somebody's like anguish is funny, you know? <laughs> like it's so ridiculous. I don't think he knew how to do anguish correctly. <laughs> I guess are we ready for some overall presentation to wrap this one up. I got one thing. Real quick, real quick. What did you guys think about the crippled kid's wheelchair? Oh, the hot rod one was metal. That thing was awesome. <laughs> that was great. He's so fast. That is unsafe. Very unsafe. <laughs> it was the 80s. What do you want? He was going faster than cars on the highway. Just look at the Goonies. That whole movie's <laughs> unsafe. <laughs> well, you know, you got me there, I guess. It's, it's funny. I really like the wheelchair stuff. That was very amusing and neat, I guess. It kind of like that and then the shots with the werewolf beating the people with the bat. It really made me think this could have been a, a decent like horror comedy if they would have went that route with it. Because it has the ridiculousness of like the wheelchair and then the, the funny bits of the werewolf using the bat to beat people up with. You're right. This could have been like a fun adventure movie, like the Goonies or something. I was waiting for the wheelchair and the werewolf to duke it out with like the fast chair, like getting chased by the werewolf or something. That never happens. He was too fast. He ran <laughs> away and he was so fast the werewolf had no idea. Like They didn't have the budget to get a sprinting man on all four. For the werewolf costume. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, I was wanting to see the wolf chase him too on his hot rod wheelchair, but yeah, or have him like ram the werewolf because it's like called the silver bullet. Maybe it hurts the werewolf or something. All we get's a lame car chase <laughs> against the kid in a wheelchair, and he can't even get him. So can we wrap this one up? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oof. <laughs> Let me give you the scale, everyone. For our listeners out there, we go from burn it, pass. Watch it or buy it from lowest to highest. So there you go. Will our pack tear this one apart? Ooh. You know, I think I gave my hand away pretty early here, but I'm just going to start this off with a list here of uh, movies for my overall presentation. E.T., Ghostbusters, Goonies, Nightmare on Elm Street, Poltergeist, American Werewolf in London, Gremlins, Beetlejuice, The Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, the Fly, Reanimator, Fright Night. These are all examples of 80s horror movies that are, well, not E.T., that's a family movie. But, uh, it's got some <laughs> scary parts in it. These are all examples of 80s movies that actually, you know, have stood up to the time because they actually have, you know, substance to them. Silver Bullet has no substance. I don't think there's any reason anybody should ever watch this again unless you are a Stephen King fanatic and want to buy the cash grab Stephen King box. There's just nothing redeeming in this movie, I think. You know, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen, but it's 
a blatant cash grab from Stephen King stuff to me, and I think it needs to be burned and not watched again. You could spend your time watching way better 80s horror movies than this. Like, there's no shortage of it out there. So don't, just don't do it. You know, I think to play off Mike's list, uh, you know, I, I think those movies are classics that have endured for a reason, and they are fantastic films. But uh, I, I think this movie is kind of a sample of what, you know, the 80s might have had to offer on the given Tuesday or Thursday night at 11 p.m. on, you know, some random channel, you know, right before the stations were going off air. So I think in that way, it's kind of an interesting film. And I might give it a watch just for that sake of curiosity, just to kind of get an idea of like a bar for why these other movies are kind of classics, you know? I don't know. And I had a little bit of fun, had some brews. It was amusing at least sometimes, but it's not by any means a great film. So if you have any interest in the era of the 80s outside of the classics, I'd give it a watch. Yeah, I don't know. This movie, I didn't necessarily hate it, but I definitely didn't necessarily like it either. It feels very disjointed. I think they could have focused some things and made an actual really good movie. I do think some of the kills are pretty good. They're, the wheelchairs are pretty cool. I'd forgotten about that. And I even like the music, even if it is kind of a ripoff. But I don't think it's enough to save it for me. I Fox has a point where, yeah, it is an interesting to see kind of the generic horror movie of the day. But I don't think you have to see this one. Surely there's a better generic horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to give it a pass. I don't know. It's not a good movie really at all. There's some decent stuff in it, but not enough. Yeah, so this is this one's interesting because it's a, it's a family drama type movie, kind of like a PG-rated one, really, as opposed to an R-rated horror film. It doesn't feel like a horror film at all. There are a few things I liked, like the classic werewolf design was cool. Special effects were good, but all the other things kind of outweigh what's good in this one. Mike's list really puts things into perspective for you when um, considering how to rate Silver Bullet. Like he said earlier, Poltergeist is pretty much the same movie, but literally every single thing is better in it. And to be honest, I'd watch Poltergeist every time over this one if given the chance. I probably should go buy the original Poltergeist. <laughs> Wait, so is that a buy it for Poltergeist? <laughs> this is a I'm gonna give Poltergeist <laughs> a buy it, but I'm gonna give Silver Bullet a pass, I think, as well. I don't hate it. It's like a perfectly average movie at best when everything's working so i guess that evens out to a, a pass right yep i think so those two passes watch it and it'll burn it wow once again kind of spread out a little bit a good spread there huh. so yeah silver bullet run the real surf fight as a pass yep yeah that's fine maybe next time king Maybe next time. <laughs> Foiled again. <laughs> Speaking of next time, do we know what we want to do for next time? We got one more Stephen King movie to go. So I've always been kind of curious about 1408. 
Is that like Stephen King? Yeah, it's based off a short story. Do you guys want to try that one? Sure, yeah. Sure. All right. Well, if any of you listeners out there have recommendations on Stephen King movies, uh, I guess underground classic 80s movies, we kind of talked about that a little bit. Literally anything. If you just want to talk to us, if you maybe you have some gripes about something, maybe you agree with something, let us know. We're always down to talk with you. Movie related, of course. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to hear your gripes about everything. Just movies. Just be interesting. <laughs> yeah. So just, just hit us up, you know. Uh, you can find us on Run The Real on Facebook, on Twitter. You can email us at runtherealpodcast.gmail.com gmail.com we want to know what you think we want to get some recommendations going yeah yeah yeah, for sure so uh, thanks for listening to us tonight we really appreciate it be uh, sure to tune in next time for uh, 1408 a review of that and our finale of the Stephen King adaption so this is uh, Run The Real signing off Mm -hmm.